Have you ever watched Monsters, Inc.? Yeah. Okay, so like the monsters all go and put the, this little yellow canister into the child's door. They get the kid to scream and then they fill up the canister with energy and they use that energy to power up their city, right? And I think about that all the time because, you know, I'm just finding psychological um, correlations in yeah. everything. <laughs> is that imagine the things that you do and all the energy that you invest is filled up into this canister. You need to empty your canister, otherwise your door blows up, right? So that is very much similar to how we feel when we invest ourselves in all of these things, but we're not actually exerting that energy somewhere or we're feeling really filled up about it, but it's not good for us, that we feel really, really heightened. For what reason? Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome back to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. Some of you are going to recognize today's guest from a long, long time ago, and that's how I'm going to know you're an OG, or you've just gone back and started listening to the very first few episodes because I have my very first guest ever returning today to celebrate our one year anniversary. So that is the one and only Nancy Sacano, which a lot of you may know as Psych with Socks. She is a dear friend of mine and someone I really, really admire for all the work she's doing in pioneering the conversation of mental health at the dinner table, making it a part of day-to-day conversations and bringing light to this growing and ongoing space as well. So I'm so excited to have her on to not only commemorate our birthday, but to check in and see what she's been up to in the past year, revisit some things I didn't get a chance to ask her in my very first episode. And I've also been able to incorporate a couple questions from all the feedback you've been giving me as well. So thank you to everyone who has reached out. It does help me steer the conversations in the direction you want it and share and I guess get knowledge on things that you guys really want to hear. So don't be shy to reach out if there is something you do want to know or you think would be really cool to sort of chat about on the pod. So one of the very first things I asked Nancy in today's episode is what can we actually expect from going to therapy? Now, I think a lot of us and many of you listening may be included in this. will think that going to see a therapist or a psychologist is something you do when you're not well or you're feeling off or you need help. But that's also like saying you only go to the gym when you're injured or you need help in some regard. And so obviously when drawing that direct parallel, you can see that the way we pay attention and care for and be really proactive with our bodies is really not exactly the same thing with our minds. Well, that's for the majority of us anyway. So what I do today with Nancy is go through exactly what you can actually expect in a session and how it can actually be beneficial, even if you don't feel like you're going through something traumatic or emotionally taxing right now, and how we can actually use it as a preventative tool for our mental health something I'm also super passionate about. So I'm I'm really glad we had this conversation at the very beginning of today's pod. So we also chat about our energy. And one thing that really stood out to me was how often do you sit down and reflect or notice how your energy shifts or is different around certain people or circumstances? And more to the point, when it is negative, how that makes you feel afterwards, do you sit and reflect noticing what those people or circumstances are? And then, you know, kind of rethinking how you'll either limit your exposure or rethink if it's really necessary in terms of your balance. So that was another really cool area we spoke about. We also go into how to find what lights you up, procrastination and how 
yes, it is a curse at times, but actually identifying when it can be a really healthy thing, just knowing the fine line between the two. And people pleasers, you're getting another shout out because you all play a really big role when it comes to boundaries and might I add low boundaries to no boundaries. And I always love talking about these because I feel like it's very easy to fall into people pleasing or a people pleasing sequence, especially if you feel like you're naturally inclined that way me, myself included in this. So having a regular conversation about it is something that really helps me stay true to my boundaries and honor those. I'm going to stop chatting now so we can dive straight in, but stay tuned for the very end because we do have a giveaway. So if you are listening to this episode on the week of release, jump over to our social media and there will be a giveaway for some of Nancy's merch, which is super cute and has just come out. If you do love this episode or have any really big takeaways, take a screenshot, tag myself and Nancy. Her Instagram is linked in the show notes below and let us know the one thing you got most out of today's show. All right, balancers, let's do this. All right, my wonderful friend, Nancy. It's been one year since we last spoke. I actually can't believe (laughs) time is like insane for me. Like I don't, I was sitting here a year ago. I know. And I was telling a story the other day and I'm like, oh yeah, in 2015. And they're like, what? That was like three years ago. And I'm like, I have no concept of time. 2015? That's yeah. like seven years ago. I know. It was actually 18, the, the story that I was telling. And they're like, are you okay? It's just everything's flying by really, really quickly. I know. So from 2020 to 21, what's what's new with you? Um, I have gotten exponentially busier, which is um, a blessing and a curse because I thought I didn't have time a year ago, but now I really don't have time. Um, I've just been putting lots of energy into myself and my relationships. And I think that because since COVID, I know that it was just work, 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 work. I didn't even have one day at home. Um, I know everyone was in quarantine and lockdown and all of that. And I just like kind of wrote it out. And um, like we were talking about before, I'm really authentic when I'm with people. And so that whole, you know, Zoom telephone thing was just not not vibing for me. And of course, I was doing it because I was accommodating for other people. But if it was up to me, I'd, I'd be in clinic. And that's what I've been doing. Um, so you got to stay in clinic throughout? Like yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't um, step away from the clinic ever. <laughs> since this all started um and I've just been doing lots of media stuff trying to get I guess my name my brand out and um, doing things like this as well um and just exercising and, and trying to keep myself sane and grounded um but yeah that's that I give that's me in a nutshell in the last 12 months honestly yeah and it makes you think like like you said before you thought you didn't have time a year ago and now you really don't have time like you really can just stretch and continue to redefine it which I know is something we're going to dive into today yeah um and I'm really excited to have you on because obviously you were my first guest ever on the podcast and being our birthday month, I thought it would be it's very really memorable to yeah. have you back on. So thank you so for much anyone, for having me. No, of course, it's an honor. And for anyone who hasn't listened to our first episode, we spoke a lot about, you know, coming out of COVID and quarantine, what that means for you, how to not pit yourself against other people. And I think even though we've, you know, largely, especially in Australia, moved on past COVID, yeah. there's a lot of really transferable takeaways from that episode. So do a scroll back to number one if you want to hear, I guess, what we had to share there. But one thing I didn't ask you last time, which, um, you know, upon reflection, I think is something good to discuss Mm -hmm. is what can people actually expect from seeing a psychologist? Because I know I even have a lot of really good friends. I myself have been seeing someone this year. Um, And I think there is still a big stigma and people 
don't know what to expect and yeah. they may be turned off by things they've seen in movies or other people's stories. So I thought it'd be cool to just sort of debunk or I guess just chat about sure. what people can expect from a consult with a psych. Yeah. And I think this is one of my biggest things that I try and reiterate time and time again, whether it's on social media or in real life with friends and family, um, or it's when I'm in clinic with, with clients and helping them explain what psychology is about to their friends and family as well. And, you know, eroding the stigma is literally so aligned for me. And your tagline. Yeah, literally, it's, <laughs> it is my it's, it's my bio. Um, seeing a psych is or has nothing to do with being crazy or unable to cope or, you know, not having it together. Um, but more so about guidance, about direction, about getting a second opinion, about having a perspective shift, about understanding your world in a different light um, and, you know, understanding yourself at a deeper level as well. I have spoken to lots of clients about, you know, us not being taught about us in a really deep level. And, and when you can kind of soundboard with another person who is completely objective and unbiased and just is looking at things raw and um, factually rather than emotionally. And, you know, it's tainted with all of these other perceptions of connection between friends and family and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, I see a psych once a month. I really like to debrief with him. I, you know, bring all these points to the table and he's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, and I'm like, but what about this thing? And what about that thing? And I was thinking like this and, you know, what do you think? And even though I well, people perceive that I have the answers because mm. I'm a psych, it doesn't mean that I'm not human and it doesn't yeah. mean that I have, you know, challenges as well. And, and I find it um, really reassuring and validating when I can speak to someone else about the things that I'm experiencing without having to kind of mull over them in my own head. Yeah. And I think like one of the biggest things you said there is there's no prerequisite. Like you have to be, you know, quote, mentally unstable or be experiencing something yeah. drastic to go see a psych. No. And I always try and think about it in terms of like our physical body right we'll go and do all these things we'll go to the gym we'll have rest days we'll go and do recovery sessions like yep. doesn't mean you have to be you know like have an injury to go and start training you're no. just doing it because you're being proactive about yeah, it yeah, and preventative want, yeah and you also want to strengthen that part of you most and definitely so, I always think it's funny when, well, I guess I've just come to this place of understanding where why don't we do the same thing for our mind? So yep. it's not as though you need to wait for something to happen where you feel like you need help or, um, right. you know, or you want to then understand your mind further. It's just another big muscle of your body that you should give equal attention to. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I also like you said is it's that point of debrief. So it's literally like getting perspective from somebody else who is removed from your circle because how many times do you bounce something off a friend or a family member and because they know you know your best friend the person you're having a fight with or they yeah. know your partner or they know your history it's always tainted by that slight bit of bias mm -hmm. and you just don't get this neutral bit of advice and when yeah. you do get it from an external person like i'll share a story when i was younger so i don't know if anyone um, has heard me say this on the podcast before but my parents were divorced yeah and they legally remarried each other and then legally divorced each other again <laughs> yeah. now they're best friends so it's all good and we yeah. had a really good family unit now um no they're not back together but yeah. at the time my dad thought this is like not good for the kids like they yeah. all need to go and see a psychologist and i remember i was probably 13 14 and i was like i'm fine like i don't know why i need to go do this like right. like i was sort of very anti like, I don't really need this. Like, yep. my sister's the emotional one. She needs it. That was yep. genuinely my yep. perspective. Yep. There's nothing wrong with me. Yes, yep. exactly. Yep. Um, and when I went, 
it literally went down. We had a conversation. The psychologist gave me a couple of insights into things I was saying. And I just remember thinking, wow, I haven't actually thought about it like that. And it was honestly just a perspective shift and it just opened my mind. And so that just really resonated with me. Everything you just said, like you said, like, there's nothing wrong with me people think that's a prerequisite to going right and it's i always say prevention is is better than cure and we 100 percent align with that when we talk about our physical health we go for screeners and testings and massages yeah massages and every year you get a blood test and ensure all your levels are right and all of that and we're so proactive in doing that well most of us are (laughs) um but we're so anti working on, Hey, why don't I step in here? Cause I know a transition is about to happen for me. I'm about to get married or I'm out, I'm about to have children or I'm about to get divorced or I've worked in a company for 25 years and I'm about to be redundant. And I don't know what that looks like for me on a day to day basis. And when I work with clients through crises, and I always say to my clients, I'm a fighter, firefighter, but I'm a construction worker too. <laughs> so I'm happy to put out fires with you and, and work on that. But I'm also happy to lay that new slab and start to scaffold and yeah. structure things in a really healthy way for you. That's nice. You know, yeah. So we jump on this construction site and, and we get to building. So it's not necessarily about chaos and things, you know, exploding around you and you need to be um, guided through the smoke, mm. but you can definitely go and see a psych if you want to nurture or foster really positive things in your life. And I think for me, as I grow older, those transitional periods are so important for me to understand because I know that adjustment is hard. Adapting is hard. Change is hard. So if you can go and speak to someone, like we said, without biases, without judgments, without tainted perspective, it is, it's so beneficial. It really is so positive. And yeah, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And so for anyone listening who has been contemplating going or is now maybe considering that's something they should do to be a little bit more proactive, what can they expect or what would they need to sort of prepare for an initial consult? Like what does that even, what do they need to what do? What does that look like? Okay, so there are a few options in looking at seeing a psychologist. There are bulk billing psychologists, which mean that the psychologist doesn't take a gap fee, meaning that it's $0 out of your pocket. Now, bulk bill psychologists at the moment are in undated with clients fairly so um, but what you need to do is you need to go and see a GP you'll discuss with your GP quite briefly about what's going on you don't have to necessarily go into depth about what's going on for you they'll do up a mental health care plan which um, really amazingly since the pandemic happened we're now accessing 20 sessions per calendar year depending on the situation of course Um, and a referral to it to a specific psychologist or you can get a referral and go see anyone really it doesn't necessarily have to be in that person's name so to get that referral do you like need to have something going on like what if we're just talking you know i just want to be proactive yeah no no not necessarily um you know i'm i'm thinking about diving deeper into understanding xyz or you know i'm stressed about xyz or i've got you know work stuff going on or relationships so i really need to speak to someone right so you can be quite yeah you can be really ambiguous about it you don't and i know that lots of people don't have a really close rapport with their gps and so they're anxious about going and, and discussing these really personal things you don't really have to there's a screener involved most of the time which means you know how kind of um how you're feeling in that month or week span yeah so you'll obtain that documentation and then Either your GP will find you a psychologist through their recommendations in your local area, 
or you can obviously do your own research and find a psychologist that you feel is best fit. Again, finding a psych is really difficult in terms of the relationship dynamic. And I think that, and I always say in my sessions, the relationship and the therapeutic alliance between me and my client is the most important part about therapy because it is such an in-depth relationship Mm -hmm. um, with all the ethical standings, of course. Um, But, you know, don't be disheartened if you don't click with your first psych or your second psych or your third psych, you know. Don't kind of straight away cull therapy as not working for Mm. you because the dynamic doesn't work. When you find the right fit, it's magic Mm. because it just feels safe. It feels secure. It feels that you're this person holding space for you to discuss anything that you feel you Mm. need to. And so you'll go and find a psych. Again, social media has been a great help in reaching psychologists and clients alike. Um, Or you can go online and look that way, depending on what you're looking for, if they're trauma based, if they're child psychs, so on and so forth. Um, And then you'll book out your first consult. and, And often your first consult will look like getting to know you, getting to know why you're in therapy or what you would like out of therapy. Um, it should be just a really breezy conversation. Cool. Yeah. I think that's a, like having done, you know, a couple initial consults myself, I think that's a really good nutshell of yeah. what to expect. Yeah. And I, I would also drill in the point if you don't click with your first psych or mm. your second or whatever, don't give up on therapy because there is someone out there for you. Just sometimes sure. you need to just, you know, do a little bit of, exploring because we're all different and we all click at different points for different reasons most definitely love that yeah um i wanted to dive into something that i spoke about in an episode last week which was sort of like touching base with yourself and your goals Mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis yeah and the reason i wanted to chat about this with you is because i feel like often whether it's in your career or in any relationship or even in terms of your relationship with yourself Mm -hmm. we can find ourselves in periods where we know it's not the best fit. We know yeah. something's not quite right, but mm. maybe we're not proactive in changing that. We just don't even know where to start to change it or we can't be bothered. Yeah. And so I guess my question to you, because off air we were chatting about how this is something you've been chatting about with your clients yeah. as well. Yeah. How do we even go about pinpointing, okay, like I need to reassess this or reevaluate um, in a healthy way? Yeah. And, and how do we sort of even go about starting that process? Okay. So yeah, like you said, we were chatting about this and I, have I find that there's themes in my therapy week to week, but I've been talking about yeah reevaluation of your goals and the things that you're working towards, and I kind of do this little I guess tip where I look at the things that I've invested my time into three months ago or six months ago, depending on how much has changed, and I lay it all out in different facets of my life, and I really think okay, three months ago, this really aligned for me. I really wanted to invest my energy, my time, and my effort into it. At this point in time, does that still feel the same for me? Mm. Um, You know, am I getting back what I thought that I would? Mm. Am I putting in what I thought that I would? Is it aligned for me in a way where I feel that I'm striving towards the next goal that comes of that? Mm. What is what am I getting out of this situation? And so, you know, I lay it all out. And for me, things change quite rapidly. So I kind of sit down and do this three month thing where I'm like, okay, I invested time you know, in exposure in media, I, I, you know, open my calendar to X amount of people. I'm doing this thing outside of work. Does that still work for me? And, you know, I know that being comfortable is easy because you're like, I'm already here. Like Mm. I'll just kind of ride it out, but it drains you. It takes away from Mm. the need to do better, the need to achieve and and accomplish things because it's just so mundane. Mm. 
Um, and you know, there are so many mediocre facets in our life, just the day-to-day functionalities that you want to invest your time and energy into things that light you up, that give you this drive and ambition to do better and be better. Um, and again, sometimes you're just cruising, you know, you don't necessarily have to be kicking goals every three months, six months of your life. It's okay for you to just like, you know, yeah, this feels cool. This is, this is good. I'm just going to cruise by. And if something else comes up for me, I'm like, yeah, okay. I can implement this into here or, you know, I've got to take this completely away because this doesn't align for me anymore. And that's cool. Yeah. You know, or I'm going to just take away a lot of things because I really need to simplify stuff for myself at the moment. I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. And it's okay for me to just like cull down and, and yeah, do, do the easy thing. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And the reason I love that you're talking about every three months or every six months is because when we're looking at say our balance, right, that's Mm. our definition of what fills our life, what makes our life feel good and balanced. Yeah. And so that definition is going to change depending on where you're at in life. So if you set yourself goals in January Mm -hmm. or you, you know, set your time according to whatever you've got going on from January, according to your goals, come June, July. Yeah. If you're at one, your idea of balance has changed or two, your priorities have shifted. Those goals may no longer be aligned with the 100%. direction you want to go, which yep. is kind of something I was talking about more um, with respect to your goals. So the reason I'm glad we're having this conversation is because I feel even if what you're doing is not exactly correlated to your goals, for example, and mm-hmm. it's just something to do in your life. So it could be like a toxic relationship or dissatisfaction with work. We can still implement those points of reevaluation, and that's what you were just speaking about to me off air. So I'd love for you to share yeah. what you were saying just then. I think that even though you've invested your time into someone for five years, ten years, and you felt really good about it, and all of a sudden you're feeling quite off about the situation, or a feeling has come up for you that you're not sure how to navigate. I really need you to acknowledge that thought or that feeling or that emotion. And the difference between feelings and emotions is that feelings are your physiological sensations. So like my heart was beating really fast or I felt tension in my hands or my chest was tightening up. And then emotions are like angry, sad, stressed, disappointed, etc. And I think that when feelings or emotions come up for you, you want to address why that may be. Try and find the correlated factor or Maybe you just feel really drained by this person, whether it's romantic or a friendship. Why is this relationship no longer serving me in the way that I need it to? You know, what am I giving? What am I receiving? Make those evaluations because, you know, like we said, if there's dissatisfaction at work, this workplace may have been so amazing for me for two years. And then I get to a place where I don't feel challenged or I'm just getting super bored or I feel like agitated being there you know we're not all gonna love our job every single day but I think that you want to be positive in the way that you go then you feel like you gain something from that experience rather than just having that complete drainage and then leaving work and being like thank god that's done you know and and having that apprehensive anxiety about like I really don't want to be there yeah absolutely and I think the reason that is so important is because it does spill over into all the other areas of your balance so if you have a really toxic relationship or you have a really toxic workplace you're gonna then you know take on that energy or that negativity and it's just gonna manifest into who you are and what you can give as a person most so definitely for anyone sitting here sort of scratching their head about either a relationship they may be unsure about or a job so you recommend sort of sitting with those feelings which i love because it's you know whenever you feel upset or angry or 
disturbed like the one thing you think of is i shouldn't be feeling this way i need to be happy i need to be positive yeah. and you sort of just like try and shut it down side. yeah and so for a lot of people journaling might feel a little bit like woo woo yeah um, they may not really be into meditation and you know seeing a psych is something they may not have explored or may not be up for mm-hmm. just yet yep so what's sort of just a really quick thing they can do to sort of start giving those emotions airtime Right. So just sit with it. Sit still. Don't distract yourself. Don't try and avoid that feeling or that emotion or that thought process that's going on for you. Just acknowledge it. Pay attention. Notice what is happening. You don't necessarily have to have all the answers of it. And you don't always have to feel positive and happy and so on and so forth. This is coming up for a reason. And and I find that the simplest thing is to get out of your head and to put this stuff down on paper. And I think I said this um, in our first podcast together like the chaos in our minds is literally like a tornado and it's almost like if you're trying to rationalize those thoughts in your mind it's like trying to set up a tent in your in a tornado like it it really doesn't work and so you know just spill it out onto a page like you know i'm feeling really upset or really anxious about this or i feel super disappointed by this experience i had or i feel really drained i feel like i need to sleep excessively after seeing or doing this thing yeah and then make mention of what that might look like should you do something that was really positive for you or, or that you would make a massive change in this area. What would that mean for you? Mm-hmm. You know, Do I get positivity from this experience, whatever it may be in whatever facet of your life it is? Am I aligned with this? Is my values aligned with what I'm doing? Or am I just doing it because I'm doing it? You know, I think that we really need to have a better sense of purpose when we do things because you know, we only have so much energy. And I was actually speaking to a client about this last week and I'm, you know, I'm all about metaphors. Have you ever watched Monsters Inc? Yeah. Okay. So like the monsters all go and put this little yellow canister into the child's door. They get the kid to scream and then they fill up the canister with energy and they use that energy to power up their city. Right. And I think about that all the time because, you know, I'm just finding psychological um, correlations in everything. (laughs) is that imagine the things that you do and all the energy that you invest is filled up into this canister. You need to empty your canister, otherwise your door blows up, right? So that is very much similar to how we feel when we invest ourselves in all of these things, but we're not actually exerting that energy somewhere or we're feeling really filled up about it, but it's not good for us, that we feel really, really heightened for what reason? Right. So try and empty your your yellow canister um, and so that you can power up without exploding. So give your energy to the monsters. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love all that. And I think it's, it's a good thing to do ongoingly, because as we said, like your balance and things that just pop up in your life that mm-hmm. will change the course of a what you need, b what you want and see like where you're headed. So as yeah. long as you just all of this is really a discussion of giving yourself that time and whether it is. You know, I feel like going to see a psychologist is literally just giving yourself that time to mm-hmm. air things you wouldn't normally pay attention to. So if that's not something you're going to explore, um, and I mean, for obvious reasons, I'm a massive advocate of doing yeah, so, yeah. then you need to give yourself the time to do that. Because if you're not in touch with yourself, then, you know, how can you expect things to plow in the way you want? Yeah. And I think an important part of understanding if you're ready to go to therapy is you want to be able to make these adjustments or these changes for yourself, or you're ready to sit still and listen to the things that are going on for you. You know, I don't think that it's beneficial to go see a psychologist if you're not ready to hear it. 
Yeah. You know, if if you're not ready to implement the changes, if you're not ready to get raw and real with yourself, because again, that's a hindrance to the progression of therapy. If you're going in being super resistant and 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 not wanting to take on the information and implement it in your life, of course it's not going to work. You know, therapy only works if you work. Yeah. And so that's a, a, a part of that is like, I don't want people to go to therapy if they feel hesitant to engage in any of the things that they need to do the self-work first you know or have an open mind you don't necessarily need to have any answers you don't need to have delved deep into an understanding of yourself but all you need to do is have really authentic open genuine perspective on going into therapy and it will be a positive experience yeah yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. I think yeah. that really ties it up nicely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a topic sort of linked to this and sure. being self-critical and analyzing, I guess, where we spend our time or our energy vampires, as I like to call yeah, them, yeah. is a topic of procrastination. Sure. So I consider myself to be like quite a proactive, efficient person. Like I've got a lot going on. I've got to be very strategic with my time. Awesome. But I still have moments where I feel like I'm just like wasting time on instagram and i'm just yeah. procrastinating or if there's something on my to-do list like it will stay there for a lot longer than it needs to yeah and i think procrastination on a bigger scale can really just be a hindrance of the life we want to live yeah um in many different ways mm-hmm. so well for anyone listening whether that looks like to you you're procrastinating leaving a friendship or a relationship because it's too hard yeah you know? yeah or you're procrastinating maybe starting that course or that line of work or that business that you've been dying to do for so long. You're yeah. in a bit of like a plateau, right, yeah, shall yeah, we say. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What's going on there? Like, why do people fall into procrastination? How can we sort of dig ourselves out of it? Yeah. Whether it's, you know, momentary, small, I'm just scrolling on Instagram, wasting time, or yeah. long-term, like it's been years and I need to make a change. So we're either looking at a fear of outcome. So I don't know what happens if I invest my time, energy, efforts into said thing that I'm procrastinating. I don't know how much energy I need to put into this thing for it to change. I'm so fearful of what's to come that I'm stagnant. I'm stuck in the mud. And I'm like, if I just mull over it a little bit more, if I do other things first and this impact bias, like if X, then Y, like if I leave this job, I'll be super, super happy. Or if I leave this relationship, I'll be so miserable that I won't be able to go on. And so we have this narrative running like these things will equal these things. But there's such a continuum in in the things that we do, the, the goals that we set. It's not necessarily here it's and then time. there. Yeah. yeah. So I think that on a larger scale, procrastination is about fear, fearing outcome or, or wanting to know exactly how this is going to pan out. And I'm so unsure about it. So I'm just going to stay here. Um, like you said about relationships or workplaces or starting that new venture. Whereas other things, procrastination in terms of like, you know, scrolling Instagram or for me, TikTok. <laughs> love a good um, TikTok. Love a, love a few seven hours on TikTok. Um, when 10 minutes turns into four hours. Right. And it's they're only one minute videos. Well, now they're three minute videos sometimes. And I'm like, I find myself being like, okay, I've got to get up at 6.30 and I'm like, quickly getting the, the most TikTok time in. And I think it's because I don't, I, I, there's this point of me where I'm like, as soon as I press start, everything's going to go. Um, and so I kind of just like savor those last moments. And this is for me anyway, in the morning. 
But that, I think that's more like, look, I'm not saying scrolling on Instagram in and of itself is a procrastination. No, because no. Because I think it, there is an enjoyment piece, there is an escapism sure. piece. And it yep. is like an enjoyable platform. There's a lot of shared things. But yep. it's more like, for me, in the middle of the day when right. I've got... You know, a couple of emails, I'm like, oh, I'll just see if I have any DMs and I'll just sort of have a scroll through. Yeah. And, you know, that's when it's yeah. kind of impactful. I well, think. I think that, again, most of the time it's the things we don't want to do that we're procrastinating from. And it's it's okay to not want to do those things. You know, there are super mundane things like admin work and responding to emails and, you know, getting up and being stuck in traffic for 45 minutes. Like, I understand that. And it's, again, I'm a pro at procrastination. I have been trying to get out of procrastination for forever, but I understand that I, that's just a part of what I do. And I know that I'm managing it a lot better now. And again, you don't have to be perfect. There is, uh, and I think we have been talking about before being on Instagram and being, you know, this whole day-to-day routine thing where everyone's so perfect and everyone's got everything perfectly done. And then everyone else is looking at it on, on the outside being like, oh, wow, I'm failing at life in general. Mm. Like, it isn't that way. It really isn't. And and we always say this is the highlight reel and you're judging it against your behind the scenes. It's okay to procrastinate. It's okay to be lazy. It's okay to do all the things that we feel like, oh my God, this is happening. I can't believe it. You know, how do I get out of it? But it just, you've got to look at it in how much is it impacting my day-to-day function? How negative is this for me, you know? We don't, again, like I said, we don't always have to be kicking goals. Just cruise. It's okay. Yeah. But but understand how much this is impacting you. And when you feel like your day-to-day functionality is being hindered, that's when you need to stay, take a step back and be like, okay, what am I doing wrong here? I think it's more like when it starts infiltrating your happiness, your levels of enjoyment, yeah. you know, your satisfaction with what you're getting out of things that's when i think there's a point but if we go on a little bit of a tangent here i want to ask the question do you think that there's a healthy level of procrastination or do you think procrastination to some degree is necessary as sort of breaks throughout our day i think again like because we're looking at it like we need to be productive 24 7 we name it procrastination but again it's okay to have rest breaks yeah it's okay for you to like just kick it on the couch for half an hour you're not necessarily procrastination procrastinating rest is really really necessary because if and, and when we talked about burnout i think even a year ago these points of arousal you need to have adequate rest between arousal otherwise you will psychologically burn out it's okay to stay in bed an extra 20 minutes if you're feeling super tired it's okay to wrap up the night a little bit earlier it's okay to close your laptop and just hang out and you know have a tea or call a friend that's that's super okay it's not necessarily procrastination so you need a rest yeah i think it's where we draw the line right what's the What's the label difference between having a rest and procrastination? Yeah, because yep. I feel like, like you said, we're quick to call like scrolling through the gram at mm. lunch, procrastinating. Right. But really, like you, I actually function better when I take routine breaks throughout the day, even sure. if it's like every hour, five minutes. Um, yeah. I've had people on who are like neuroscientists or they've done a lot of research yeah. in the brain, and they actually talk about how performance is sustained for longer if you maintain those consistent breaks because, awesome. like you said, you're you're having those periods of rest in between arousal. Yep. So I think that's a good kind of reflection piece to say, okay, what have I maybe been discriminating as procrastination? Cause really it carries this negative connotation to it. And yeah. so we don't then 
you know, embrace our rest or our breaks sure. or our five minutes on TikTok, you know, but that is an enjoyment thing. It is a resting. It yeah. takes you away from what you're doing. And that's super okay. Yeah. So yeah. maybe like we just need to redefine, I guess, what we've called as procrastination, but could be a break. But then I think it's also um, a critical point to say, what actually am I procrastinating? I think it maybe comes down to those intentions. Things. Yeah. Like yep. for example, if there's something you really want to do, but you've actually been putting off. Sure. Um, even down to like small day-to-day tasks, that's when I right. Yeah, that's different. Get in the way. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think for everyone there is a balance for what procrastin- procrastination looks like. For me, it's quite different to what that may look like for you, mm. and rest is different for me and and you. So I think it's very individualized how we're looking at our lives and the things that we put ourselves into. We're all very, very different. Our blueprints to our lives are different. This comparison of like, you know, Erica's been doing X, Y, Z things every single day. I don't feel like I'm up to scratch or I don't feel like I can compare to all of the things that she's been super productive about or proactive about. And it's like, well, maybe it just doesn't align for me. And that's okay. And it's also like, who's who's holding you to that standard? Like really it's yourself. Right. And so you're your own judge. Yeah. No one else is sitting there going oh, Nancy's doing as much as Erica or sure. you know, she hasn't, you know, trained today and yep. she normally trains every day. Like you've got to be your own support base. You've got yeah. to be your own judge in a way and be self-critical of what you're doing outside of what other people are doing. Um, I do want to ask you though, something that just popped into my head because mm. it is something people have sort of DM'd me. Um, I think in the last year, because I found a couple of passion projects, shall we say, yeah, cool. um, people have sort of come to me with a question of, I don't know what I like to do. Yeah. You know, cause we always talk about doing what fills you up, doing yeah. what lights you up. And that doesn't have to mean it's your nine to five. Because no. Most of us need to work. Yeah. And you know, work sometimes has the fulfillment piece of, you know, financial, financial stability. Security. Yeah. Yes. And so it doesn't have to be the thing that lights you up. It's then looking at, okay, what do we do in our spare time or yeah. how much time are you spending with your loved ones, etc., etc. Yeah. So the question I get asked, and I'm going to ask you if you're, yeah. you get asked this by your yeah. clients is how do I know what lights me up? Right. I think that again, acknowledgements of feelings when I do things, what does it make me feel? Mm. Is this really, I feel light and passionate about it or do I feel super drained and dreading it? And it's just a burden on me and it can be the smallest things. Like I love watching Netflix series. I love walking my dog. I love being out in nature and going for hikes. I like the, the passion projects doesn't have to have a monetary involvement. Right. Like you can love something and it can give you nothing more than the feeling that you get from it. Yeah. That's it. Full stop. And so, again, we've been drained in this social media world where every, you know, the hustle and all of the things that we've spoken about in the past, things that light you up just make you feel good. Yeah. You know, like, really that simple. yeah, sitting on the couch and patting your pup like that makes you feel good. Hanging out with your pup. My, my, he's a um, sometimes he's, he's temperamental. Um, but yeah, like it's again, and, and this, I think this is like the, the theme. It's okay. Like it's, it's chill for you to be like, you know what? I actually love cooking or I love baking cakes for my family. Or I love, you know, seeing my neighbor next door who's 85 and tells me stories about her childhood. Like that's okay. Yeah. That's cool. 
You know, it doesn't have to be the side hustle, the I'm making X amount of money on the, you know, on the side, or I'm investing in cryptos and X, Y, Z, you know, the things that everyone is into right now. Well, it doesn't have to be something that's say Instagrammable. It doesn't have to be something that sure. you can capture. It can just be a fleeting moment. Like for example, I've just redone all the plants on my balcony. Yeah. And a day spent doing that for me was like, I'm reconnected with the earth, like hands in the soil. It just felt good. Now, every cool. time I go out there, like I get those feelings because it's like, oh, I had spent time doing this. Like I'm going to yeah. go for my garden now. And it could just be like, just literally five seconds of looking around, just acknowledging that, you know, it looks beautiful. Yeah, this feels whatever good. whatever it is. And, you know, to those people who are like, well, yeah, I just, I don't know what those things are. You just need to trial and error. Like, yeah. Literally go for a walk along the beach, see how that makes you feel. Um, I don't know. Like you've got to try out different things. You just have to notice. Yes. And, and this is a, a really important attunement between body and mind is that when I do things con- consciously, what does it make me feel? You know, I want to notice my, my energy when I'm engaging in these things. Mm-hmm. I want to notice... You know, how, how do I feel afterwards? And and it could be that simple. Mm. And do you think sometimes, like I know I know in the past, for example, I've had toxic friends or the relationships turn toxic towards sure. the end. Yep. And I found like that lull that it put me in lasted more than like immediately after. It was even like a few days. It turned into how I was thinking about myself, how I was engaging with my own aspirations. It turned yep. all of that negative because of the energy I was taking from those people. So sometimes it's even like, you'll notice even a couple days yeah, later, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so as well as like noticing how you feel when you do good things, also reflect on mm-hmm. when have I felt a bit shittier and like what's, yeah. what's that correlated to? It's kind of like when you're trying to test what's upsetting your stomach, you keep a log of everything you eat when you feel terrible. Correct. So it's sort of the same thing. 100%. And we are, we are so good at doing these things, right? Our physical body. Yeah. Oh, I bloat. And I don't know why I'm going to cull the things that I eat and kind of pin it to that. It's exactly the same thing when it comes to energy, when it comes to my, my emotions, my feelings, you know, what is it that I'm doing that's making me feel this? And, and like we said, journaling doesn't have to be this whole like dumpage. It can literally be a track, a factual track of, you know, I felt like this when I did this or after I did this, I felt really, really good when I was invested in this thing, you know, and then kind of find the patterns yes. where, where where that lies and then invest your time into the things you know make you feel good and try and stay away from the things that make you feel shit yeah exactly like a food diary you can yeah you have two pages one every time you feel crap every one every time you feel good and that's it notice the patterns i mean mental health doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it it can literally be noticing making acknowledgements of we don't have to have you know psychological terminology and diagnoses and all of the things that we think mental health is about mm. it can literally just be like I'm checking in. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And whilst we're talking about, I guess, our energy with other people, um, I do want to loop in the concept of boundaries. Sure. So it is also something I spoke about last week, but I wanted to speak with you about it in in the frame of people pleasing. So Mm -hmm. through my own therapy and education, that way I've learned and feel free to correct me if my interpretation may be wrong. Yeah. um, But I've learned that often when you have people pleasers, Mm -hmm. which I, it's something I identify with, especially in my past. Sure. um, I feel like it's a process of, when you have a boundary that's low, Mm -hmm. people then end up crossing that boundary. Mm -hmm. And then when that happens too many times, you enter this sort of resentment phase. Sure. And you end up then avoiding that person because 
at the end of the day, like you've set a low boundary and allowed them to cross it. Yep. And so I guess I want to know your thoughts on people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Is it something you personally deal with a lot in practice or maybe even you have any personal anecdotes on it? And um, does it sort of link with what I've just explained? Because like, I feel like I've been in that situation yeah. where you end up resenting someone, but when you're really critical of it, it's maybe because you've said yes too many times and now they're yeah. just annoying you or zapping your energy. And yeah. It really comes back to, I guess, you conserving your own yeah. space. I think that there's two parts to people pleasing. I actually wrote an article about people pleasing like two weeks ago. That I'll was... drop a link to it in the show. Yeah, cool. Um, so how we kind of get to people pleasing is that we've mapped the world around us as if I act in a certain way, if I'm likable, if I'm reliable, if I'm all of these positive things, that people will like me, right? So it's a very conditioned validation. Mm-hmm. I can't be, you know, um, feeling bad around someone or I can't say no to things or I can't do the things that are not aligned for me because this person will end up not liking me or not validating me or wanting to be connected to me. And so the need for validation and reassurance and recognition comes from these people in our lives. And so we start to really tailor ourselves to this really conditioned response. And so we don't adhere to our own boundaries we say yes to things we don't want to we allow things we feel really bad about because we're like i just need the validation from this person i want to feel good i want to feel like this person likes me just like i like them but then what it kind of like flips itself into if i'm saying yes 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 and i'm allowing all these things and i'm i'm feeling really terrible about myself but it's okay because i'm pleasing this person then I start to get this resentment phase which we were just talking about where it's like I've allowed these boundaries to be crossed time and time again that there is no longer a boundary and why of course this person has seen me not adhere to my own boundaries why would they adhere to mine Mm. they may not even know it's there right so I've had an inability to articulate that boundary because I'm fearful of what the reaction may look like and I think a lot of our behavior is fearing reaction like we talked about in, in terms of procrastination So I then start to be like, well, I want to disengage with this person because I feel really bad when I spend time with them or when I do the things that I don't want to do just because I really want to please them. I then withdraw from that. And then that's counterintuitive because I'm like, well, now this person won't like me because I'm disengaged with them. But I feel really bad when I engage with and I get really stuck in this thing. Of course, because it's very hard to have your own values um, whilst wanting to satisfy others. They just they cannot always meet. 100%, 100%. And I think that people pleasing is definitely something that I see in clinic on a daily basis. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, on a daily basis. People feeling like they need the recognition because they haven't gotten that from maybe primary attachments in their lives. And they, you know, everyone likes to be liked. Yeah, of course. You know, we all do. We all need the validation and reassurance, connectedness and a sense of belonging. It is part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, it's primitively drilled into us that we need our tribe. So then we try and alter or tailor ourselves specifically to this one person so that I can please you so that you can give me what I require. But then really, I'm not giving myself what I require. And so then, yeah, it's this whole really like push and pull thing. And it's, it's really difficult for people to get out of. Yeah. And I guess the reason I'm bringing it up in light of what we've just spoken about is, you know, if you're keeping a time log, you're noticing, okay, this, this particular person or situation makes me feel bad. I think it's a good reflective point to be like, is that because I've allowed a boundary to be crossed? Or yep. is it just because that person doesn't make me feel good? Because I think then you have one of two choices. It's either you can reinstate a boundary mm-hmm. and maybe conserve a relationship mm-hmm. that you've allowed 
to sort of cross too many lines. Yep. Or you can say, no, nah, this is actually not serving me, which sort of begs the question, then how do you reinstate or even, you know, put up a boundary if for so long you've let things <clears throat> go on the way they are? Because I think you can salvage and people generally, if they're on your wavelength, they respect when you say no or you can't give them your time. Like as long as it's genuine, yep. I think people are open to respecting that. But it's like, how do you go about setting a boundary when you haven't really done it in the past. So what boundaries actually are, are having mutually respectful relationships. And so if the pe- the people, the person that you have not articulated your boundaries to is respectful of you, you can then step in six months, 12 years later and instate a boundary that you had not before. And should they respect you enough and you respect yourself enough in that situation, then most definitely you can conserve a, a relationship. Um, if this person is like, hey, you know what, that wasn't important to you, or maybe it was important to you, but you had a really hard time articulating that in the past, of course I'll respect that this is important to you now, this is a value to you now. And yes, we can we can change up the dynamic of our relationship to have these boundaries in place, and that's super okay. Um, but if you are about to set a boundary and you feel like you're fearful of the reaction that may come of that, or that this person will not respect the boundary, should you lay it down? Well, that's where you need to look at, is this relationship really right for me? Yeah. And I think the reason this is really important to grasp, not only if you're the kind of person who feels like you're a people pleaser is because as you go through life, things are not linear, things will change. And so you're actually going to have to set different boundaries at different points. When you have kids, you're not going to be out every Saturday night. Exactly. You know, you're not going to be, probably you want to be in bed at eight o'clock or yeah. whatever it is. Like yeah. I'm not a parent, like, but you know, for, as a, as a off my head example. Yeah. And yeah. so I think you need to be, get comfortable articulating your needs to other people because Most you can't definitely. expect them to, you know, honor them if yeah. you can't express that. And I think conversely as well, it helps you understand when people set their boundaries, when they say no, when they might need to reschedule or when they yep. can't give you their time, you can, you know, Empathize with that as well. Yeah, most definitely. And and on that point, our lives and our transition periods are going to come with a completely different set of boundaries. And if your relationships are going to last 5, 10, 15, 50 years um, in whatever dynamic, whether it be a friendship or a romantic relationship, these boundaries need to be revisited. They need to be tailored around how your life is changing. And it's okay. And, the, and there's this anxiousness around, okay, I've said one thing. How am I going to say that this thing has changed now? What are they going to say when I've said that, et cetera, et cetera, which is where that people pleasing comes in. But I think the more you respect yourself, the more others will respect you. If I've said to you, hey, Erica, I'm actually going to start training in the mornings, which means that I can't hang out till midnight every night during the week. If I fear that you're going to be like, what do you mean? How can you not, you know, how can you change now? This has been our routine for so long, et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm going to be really hesitant in doing that. And then I'm going to hinder my goals or my aspirations because I don't want you to feel like I've changed it up on you. Mm. Whereas if I respect, hey, I actually want to start training in the morning because that's more effective for me because it's good for my mental health, my physical health, so on and so forth. Then I want to, I want to build up the courage to be like, hey, Erica, I really need to do this thing to change up the way that we've been interacting because it then means I can go off and do this really positive thing for, for myself. And I hope that you would respect that. And, you know, it is all about assertiveness and assertiveness is difficult when we're anxious and when we fear reactions and so on and so forth. And so another thing that I really work on in therapy is being assertive and 
assertive enough to build boundaries and articulate boundaries and have people respect them. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, if you do have someone that um, receives the boundary adversely or mm. is not respectful of mm-hmm. it, then it could be a point of, okay, this friendship has served me up until now. My goals and what I want to need out of life is changing this person. You know, it doesn't align with that or is no longer supportive of it. And most that's definitely. okay. Yeah, most definitely. If, I mean... I think it's unrealistic for anybody to have the expectation that things are permanent. I think impermanence is like symbiotic with life. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Things are always changing. And so you're either going to have those people that are going to respect that, grow with you and respect your changing yeah. needs. Yeah. Or you'll have, you know, relationships or situations that are transitional. Yeah. And that's cool too. Because yeah. it's like seasons. They come yeah. and go for different reasons. Most definitely. Ooh, poet. Don't even know it. <laughs> yeah yeah you're right i think that we you know as i get older as well i just turned 30 um which i still am trying to get used to but since turning 30 tell me a wise one <laughs> i um actually did two posts on my on my instagram 20 things i learned in my 20s And I sat there the night before my birthday and I was really reflecting on the things that I had understood or reflected on during, during my twenties in the last decade. Mm -hmm. Um, All the things that I didn't know when I was 20, all the things that I learned and, and got to know by the time that I was 30, there are so many boundaries that I had in my life when I was 20 that have completely shifted that I didn't even know were important to me until now. Mm. And like, like you said, these transitional periods are going to be so different. Our needs, our requirements are going to be so different that there is no way that we could set something down even a month ago. You know, things change so rapidly. Time is flying by. And so, yeah, these changes are really, really rapid. And so we need to then really align those, those boundaries and, and the relationships and the things that we do with that. And I think the biggest thing to help or support that aspect of life is to just be flexible mm-hmm. and be comfortable in that changing yeah. nature of life and, yeah. and sort of be like, okay, I, I set this for myself, but it's actually no longer the case or it needs a little bit of a reword, needs an edit. Yeah. You know, or that boundary yeah. needs to be revisited and it's okay for sure. things to not be like fixed and have this rigid mental map that's going to last you right for the next 20 30 40 years i think that adaption is the most important thing that we need to learn and there's actually a disorder called adjustment disorder so it's it's so crippling for some people that they have an inability to adapt or change as their circumstances change and it's yeah it's that debilitating that it becomes disordered you know so if that's something that we've cultivated through all of these people experiencing this certain uh, feeling or this criteria that people can um, match up with and, and have a diagnosis of adjustment disorder, then we can understand how important it is to adjust and to adapt and to change as the world around you changes, because, you know, it is ever shifting, ever changing. If we just stay stuck in the way that we've thought and, the, and our rigid mindset, then we're going to get left behind and it's not going to look pretty for yeah. us. And I mean, evolution, uh, the whole 
push or driver of it was adaptation. Mm-hmm. You see mm-hmm. that in so many species too. So mm-hmm. I think that's a lovely place to leave this yeah. one. Yeah. But I want to know before I let you go, what's coming up in the next year for you? So I have just been working on my merch for mm-hmm. Cyclist Socks. Um, I've got some wristbands that say, what would socks say? Um, it's something that I have been talking to my clients about. It's a segment that I do on my psych um, Instagram page where I put up some questions or everyone asks me questions and I give, you know, short, simple answers to. And uh, lots of clients have said to me as well, I always think in difficult situations, what would Nancy say? And so I kind of branded that around Cyclist Socks and I've made some um, cool bands. I've got some water bottles coming. I'm going to put together a thought journal as well, something that's a little bit more um, succinct, helps people really focus on what they need to instead of kind of the free reign journaling. Um, Hoping to do more media stuff. I'm going to put together some workshops as well for, you know, bigger groups to get connected with understanding your mental health in different um, aspects and lots more client time (laughs) well i know a lot of people listening would love to get across all of that so if they want to connect with you instagram's the best place or website what's both Um, my instagram is psych with socks and my website is psychwithsocks.com perfect i'll pop links to that below and we also have a giveaway yes so i'm actually going to give away my bands i'm going to give three lucky people or three lucky listeners to our podcast today some what would socks say bands yeah so head over to our instagram we've got a post up that'll be going up on the day this episode comes out and you'll just have to follow the prompts there yes and yes yeah winning bracelets i've got one too and i love it so Check them out for awesome. the cute pics of those. Yep. And it's actually a good thing. You know, it kind of, instead of, you know, counting to 10, my mom always said, count to 10 when you get angry. It's like, yeah, yeah. Just ask yourself, what would socks say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. You're I most know welcome. our listeners would have gotten so much out of today and I'm loving seeing you grow and thank all the you. new info you're bringing out. You're teaching me a lot along the way. Awesome. And um, can't wait to see what the next year brings for you. Thank you so much. I'll thank you for having me. the start of year two. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you commemorate the... Yeah. next round of interviews yeah awesome thank you so much erica i appreciate it and that's a wrap for this week balances thank you so much for tuning in i hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today as always the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it or if you're on spotify you can click follow or on apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, stop, stop.